You're listening to Your Art Friends, Beth Radloff and Andrew Thompson. They're about to have a thoroughly unserious discussion about art. But don't worry, whether you're Da Vinci or the Worst, there's room on this palette for every color. If this is your first time listening to Creatives Brainstorm, be forewarned, because once you start looking at life like an artist, there's no undo button. I'm Beth. And I'm Andrew. And, and we're, we're your, your art friends. friends. Let's hang out. Yeah. Let's do it. I've made a website. I made my website. Yeah. I have had a splash page as a website for a very long time. One of those coming soon? It wasn't a coming soon. It was... M- was it uh, this site under construction? No, I'm here. <laughs> I'm the, the site is constructed. It's just, It's just in its own head. Yeah. So it was a splash page that would invite you to go to my shop. Mm. Uh, the problem with that is that I recently closed my shop ah. and I'm applying for conventions right now. Yeah. <laughs> and I realized that if you look me up, nothing comes up, man. I have like a splash page <laughs> that redirects to a shop that's closed. And I thought, oh, no, no one's going to invite me to come and table at conventions because I don't have anything to show. So... <laughs> Yesterday, I finally uh, sat my ass down in this chair and I put together a portfolio website and I felt, Andrew, I felt so good. Mm-hmm. I got it all all in a good place and I had my husband come in and I asked him how he thought and he was like, well, I don't think the layout is great for your work. It makes everything look a bit too busy. Mm-hmm. And then I made the mistake of going and looking at other designers' websites <laughs> and If you want to feel like everything that you've been working towards for the last 30 years is meaningless, just go to a designer's (laughs) portfolio website. It's gorgeous. And then the about me section is just you scroll and it's Mm -hmm. it's lists and lists of awards and speaking uh, events and full page (laughs) spreads in magazines where they have been featured as being the best artist. And I look at my about me and it's like, hi, I'm Beth. And I like birds. <laughs> <laughs> I also have a cool podcast. It's called Your and Art Friends. Pod- Please listen to my podcast. Yeah, it it really made me feel it it, it made me feel like uh, an imposter. Yeah, and I had to work through that yesterday. But we're doing. I'm doing better today. That's good. I have a question based on us riffing about you know being like i have a podcast yeah do you catch yourself in situations well you've had a podcast for a while but i'm new (laughs) to this game Uh uh-huh and anytime i'm like in public like at at conventions or whatever or even talking to like somebody who i've just met i almost feel like weirdly ashamed when when we're talking and there's a moment where i'm like oh based on you know this conversation we're having I think you might like my podcast. Yep. Like, I feel like the stereotype of like the person who's like, hey, I have this podcast. You should listen to it. Yeah. Everybody has a podcast. That's that's where this is coming from. There is yeah. not a barrier to entry when it comes to podcasting. And so you can sit down with your phone and talk into your phone's microphone and create your own show. So what what we are up against is yeah. that. The thing yeah. is, I think our podcast is good. 
I'm proud of no, the I, show that I we're do making. Too. And that's why it's uncomfortable to be like, no, no, it's. Eh. Yeah. We have chosen careers. Yeah. Where we have to justify mm-hmm. the validity of our career. Yeah. From every angle. If you're an artist, you have to be like, I'm an artist. Oh, but I make money. Yeah. <laughs> I have a podcast. Oh, but it's like we have pro microphones and we plan our show and we care a lot about what we're making. Yeah. Uh, please trust that it's good actually yeah i it, it it's dumb to me that i you know am am insecure about it and like follow it like before i tell them hey i have a podcast i'm always like i'm really sorry for what i'm about to say because it's super cliched <laughs> like i i recently said that to, it was like a week and a half ago to somebody and i was like i'm so sorry I, this is about to come out of my mouth and it just the mere thought of it is making me cringe but it, you should listen to my podcast you'd like it <laughs> but it's it's dumb that i have that reaction because like you said our careers inherently have that kind of a a you know, baggage attached to it. Like, yeah, I feel like so often you talk to somebody, you're like, oh, yeah, I'm an artist. Like you can sometimes see their, you know, eyes glaze over. I will say, I think in recent years, I've I haven't had that experience anymore. It's usually people being like, oh, that's so cool. What do you do? And then they like ask more questions. But I feel like the trope from before, from a long time ago, is that people just like, write you off as like, ah, you're an artist. Okay. It's interesting because I similarly feel like I get a little bit more respect automatically nowadays. Maybe <gasps> it comes with age. Is this an ideal world? Did we create uh-huh. it? We've manifested it. We're just ignoring all the times that we're ignored. <laughs> yeah. Maybe it has to do with our ages. Yeah. Because if you look at a clean, put together, grown adult man or woman, and they say, I'm an artist... I'm going to go, oh, it's working out. Yeah. Versus when I was a 19 year old burgeoning into my career. uh, Yeah. People are like, oh, she's she's going to try it. Yeah. We'll see what happens, you know? Yeah. But also, I've spent so many years inside my home talking Mm -hmm. to a camera that maybe my confidence has been bolstered by the fact that no one's actually looking back at my face with an expression. That's fair. I it's kind of like um I think I told you this before we went into Gen Con like I feel the most confident behind my table because I'm like backed up by all my artwork around me and you are too Andrew transforms it's he's <laughs> Sailor Moon behind his table <laughs> yes magical magical boy transformation but boy uh-huh. spelled with b o i I'm like Ronin warriors but more colorful it was cool to see. It was really cool to see you uh, in your element, really. Yeah. Oh, it's so much was my element. I guess that kind of perfectly segues into, you know, this week's show topic, which we're talking about Gen Con and kind of debriefing because neither of us have really talked um, aside from text messages since Gen Con. Yeah, that's weird. Yeah. And it, it's weird because of what a incredible spoilers it was incredible it was the best thing yeah i was riding a high for two weeks afterwards mm-hmm. yeah and we haven't recorded in, in since then because it's it's been over two weeks since the last episode and andrew has continued to like show at different conventions so he's been <laughs> he's been a busy bee 
I will say, so I just did Origins Game Fair here in Columbus, and it's like a mini Gen Con. Like, by no means as crazy as Gen Con. And I definitely felt like I was, you know, phoning it in. Like, I did not study for the final. I just showed up and and used the test to take the test, and I passed. <laughs> Like it was, it was a good show, but I felt so much more at ease because Dragon Con and Gen Con were so big and like looming over, you know, the entire month of September for me because those shows in the past, I've done Gen Con three times prior to this year and it's always been my biggest show. And then Dragon Con, I had heard such great things. So I went into both of those like super prepared, had a ton of stock, um, and then Origins rolled around and I was like, well, if my token packs don't show up, I guess I don't have them. Like, oh, well. <laughs> and it was also like slow enough at Origins that I, I think on Sunday I spent probably like an hour and a half just walking around. Wow. You left your booth empty? Well, I had I had a, uh, an assistant who was uh, their CCAD student who's like a junior and they're interested in doing like fantasy art and this kind of stuff. I'll give him a little shout out. His name's Josiah. He goes by Jums Art um, on Instagram, and I'll put the link in the show notes. But he, you know, was a great assistant, like picked things up really quick and easily. And um, I felt fine walking away. So I like spent Sunday just kind of walking around and relaxing. Yeah, we didn't have any time to do that yeah, at Gen Con. I feel like at Gen Con, the only time I walked away from the booth was to go to the bathroom and to get water. Mm-hmm. And I would usually stop at like somebody else's table, be like, hey, how you doing? Like, you want me to grab your water? And then I would maybe get them water as well. <laughs> but yeah, so like you said, Gen Con was fantastic and is very much a hometown show for me. I feel like an anime character who's on their home turf, like fighting a villain who thinks they're going to kick their ass. And I'm just like, ah, nah, bro. Easy power. up. Yeah, I'm the Hokage here. Get off my turf. <laughs> Yeah, so today, you know, we're talking about that a little bit, and we're going to debrief about that. And then I've also come up with questions for you, Beth, based on your experience with Gen Con, because it was kind of your first, you know, big show. And also, you know, being around other artists in in the sense and the capacity that we were in. So I have a list of questions for you uh, that I think the listeners will really enjoy hearing your, like, your perspective as as a you know close proxy to maybe where they're at. Yeah, because this is new. I am baby. And then last but not least, you know, after we experience Gen Con, I feel like it's important in general whenever you go through something where it's, you know, a, a immensely positive uh, experience to think back on it and kind of assess whether or not your goals have changed or shifted. Yeah. And so I thought it would be interesting to hear from you again for the listeners to hear your experience in terms of, you know, maybe adding to your your art family, your work in progress art family. <laughs> and and maybe you might have adjusted goals based on, you know, at the beginning of the show, we started with our goals of, you know, you wanting to find art friends and me wanting to be more goofy, like how has Gen Con impacted those goals or goals outside of the podcast, but related to our art in general? Beautiful. Well, I think that we're going to ping pong back and forth from serious to silly. Our favorite thing. <laughs> <laughs> Let's play our favorite icebreaker game. Yeah. It's nightmare time. Ooh. 
Would you rather? Is this going to be a saw situation? A, no, 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 no. What? You always go to saw. I, it, it's just because it's I'll let's play a game. I'll never put you in a saw trap. <laughs> okay, that's good I to promise. know. I promise. I'm I'm gentle. <laughs> Would you rather show up at a con having forgotten to bring your whole display setup so all you have is the raw pieces that you're selling? <laughs> or you've got the setup, you've got your pieces, but you can't stop sweating the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> well, joke's on you because the second one already happens. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> no. I mean, I mean bad. I mean like like faucet oh, pits. Like, like your hands are clammy. Okay. You can't touch your wares because they're yeah. they're they're tainted. Okay, tainted. It's a yeah. fun word to use when you get you're, sweat on stuff. You're a tainter. I'm a tainter. I'm a paint painter. Tainter. Tainter. Painter. You can be a painter or a tainter. Which one? <laughs> um. Okay. Given the fact that you're talking like extreme sweat. Extreme sweat. Extreme sweat. And it's fear sweat, too, so it smells. It smells. And the worst thing for me is feeling uncomfortable at a convention. Like, at Dragon Con one morning, I remember I had showered the night before, but then I had had helped my friend load up their car, and so I got a little sweaty before going to the Airbnb that we were staying at. And then I Uh went the next morning, we were getting ready, and I was like, oh, like, I had planned on just dry shampooing my hair and getting dressed but i felt kind of gross and i was like oh no if i go like this to the con i'm gonna think about this all day long and so i jumped in the shower i've learned that you're a finicky man i am a little finicky you are somebody who showers every day Mm, yeah mostly that's unusual i'm a i'm a clean boy very clean boy he showers every day and uses dry shampoo and for at least the women out there who uh, pay attention to hair care. That's insane. <laughs> <laughs> well, like I, I like dry shampoo for conventions because sometimes like if I shower the night before my hair gets a little greasy and I don't want to like fucking shower Why again you're, the next you're sweaty day. sleeper? Why is your hair getting greasy in one evening? Because it just does. I don't know. Or it gets like kind of greasy and like smooshed one way. And I feel like the dry shampoo helps it kind of like poof back to normal. That's true. Um, And so that's partially when I use it is mostly at like cons. But yeah, I don't want to feel uncomfortable because I, you know, might feel like sticky and gross from from Mm -hmm. not necessarily showering before going to the con. Um, And I feel like if I go to the con feeling that way, it's going to put this added bit of like awareness and stress on on me. And then it takes away from, you know, what the customer experiences when they talk to me. Because then I'm thinking about that on top of also trying to think about, you know, how am I going to, you know, make my money back this weekend or how am I going to connect with people? So it sounds like maybe the bare bones con layout. I I think that because I've also learned that most of the time I don't sell any of my really big high end things that are hung up behind me. So I can probably do without them. I probably, you know, just have play mats, prints. And I could go buy tablecloths if I forgot tablecloths. I could find boxes to use as risers. It's like when you start Animal Crossing and your house is just cardboard boxes and a cot. (laughs) That's what a convention table is. Yep. What would yours be? I think it might be tougher for me because my whole career up until really 2019 Mm -hmm. has been branding. Like, yeah, I learned how to draw and paint, 
But I very immediately started working in advertising. And yeah. so the whole deal is like the presentation, the packaging, mm. the, 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 what it looks like before you bite into the cookie. Yeah. Um, and so my cookie doesn't taste that good. <laughs> <laughs> but, it but it looks really like it tastes cool. Super delicious. Now I think my cookie tastes good. Back then, maybe not. But that's still, that's still in my brain, yeah. right? And so not having the crux of a beautiful presentation, mm -hmm. I think, would make me feel as mental as you feel when you haven't taken a shower in 24 hours. I think that's fair. <laughs> <laughs> but... I also don't want to be wetting everything up. Here's here's the the scenario if you do choose the be very sweaty and to the point of like tainting your artwork is maybe you just put all of your products on the table so that the customer just picks yeah. them up and goes and then you yeah. stack everything so high that they just see your head. Great. And I might even like cosplay as uh, no face. Ah, there you go. And then no one will know that yeah. I'm just a bag of water. <laughs> I mean that we're like ninety percent water, ninety five percent water, or something like that already, right? Uh huh. So we are bags of water. You know what would be a problem though, going the route that I would, the sweaty route. What? You know how if you get a little bit of liquid on the surface of your touchscreen phone, the whole thing just doesn't know how to handle itself. Yeah. I think anytime I'm checking somebody out on my phone, not with my eyes, uh, <laughs> it it would just be a nightmare yeah i wouldn't be able to sell anything maybe you can have a setup like cash only no change <laughs> oh that's the thing to do cash only my cash only sweat booth come around mm, sweaty cash <laughs> <laughs> i'm rebranding <laughs> that's what i do <gasps> andrew that's what i do no longer am i beth be red i'm sweaty cash and <laughs> when is, you come to my booth good name <laughs> <laughs> sweaty cash when you come to my booth you know what to expect everybody remembers me i'm a big stinky wet oh, monster whose artwork is just so beautiful that you deal with it fuck is that is, the, is this our transition to why didn't i think of that because why <laughs> okay. why didn't sweaty cash why didn't why didn't i register that as like a funny name for for something because it's legitimately like it's easy to remember uh-huh it rolls off the tongue. It's funny. No one's going to spell it wrong. No, they're not. Sweaty cash. Because if they do, it's sweetie cash. And yeah. that's a different, that's my girlfriend. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so sweaty cash. Damn. Yeah. I also have a SoundCloud. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, why didn't I think of that? We have the same why didn't I think of that. Yes. When both of us saw this on our Twitter, in our mentions, mm -hmm. uh, I we lost our minds. Yeah, I I texted you about it because I was like, "Holy shit! Did you see the Twitter? Because this idea is fantastic." Joe Zuniga at Zuni State tweeted a breakdown of Ope, our mascot, our coffee cup with the two uh, what were initially paintbrushes mm -hmm. in the paint cup mascot. He redesigned it. To be like super practical, so practical. So it's a, a beautiful little drawing of our buddy Ope, who is a coffee cup who sits on a coaster, mm -hmm. and the coaster has his legs and his butt oh, I baked the into butt. the coaster itself. And then instead of paintbrushes, um, the two stems that stick out are spoons, mixing spoons. Such a good idea. I, th the fact that we we made something on the show together and it has inspired one person to 
to like take that idea and and take it a step further, run with it. Yeah. How cool is that? Yeah. That's it, the juice. It was fantastic. Like I saw that and I was like, oh my God, this solves the problem of, you know, making a mug with legs and a butt. You've told me that you wanted to get into ceramics and we had talked about an idea where a m- like Ope would have legs and a butt on the actual mug. Yeah. But this is design wise, a super cool idea where it's, you know, just a standalone coaster and then you put Ope on there as the mug. And I would have never thought of that. Yeah, because then you don't have to you don't have to worry about breaking the legs off if you put it in the dishwasher. Andrew, I just noticed what? that when you lift him up off of the mug, it says Ope underneath him. As if Oh shit, as I didn't if even when know you that. remove <laughs> when you remove his legs and ass, he goes, goes Ope. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so perfect. I didn't even catch that. Yeah. Joe, if you're listening, we love this. Sorry to to blow you up here. But that made our day. Thank you. Thank you. So yeah, Gen Con. It was fantastic. For me, I remember, and this is the best way to describe it, uh, when I came to pick you up at 5.30 in the morning at the airport, like I was so amped for day one of Gen Con and also to see you that like I was driving in my car and listening to like really hyped. um, (laughs) I've been on this kick of listening to a metal version of Let's get down to business from uh, from, from <laughs> Mulan. Mulan. It's <laughs> it's a metal cover of it, and I love it. And it's super good to get hyped too. And I'm so red right now talking about this. That's awesome. <laughs> but I was listening to that on my way to pick you up, and I was legit like shaking the uh, like the steering wheel, being like, "I'm gonna go get Beth. Like <laughs> it's gonna be great." And I hadn't even had coffee yet. And like, that's how amped I was at like 530 in the morning on Thursday of Gen Con. I'm so glad because I, uh, so initially it was going to be me and my husband who were going to come for Gen Con and help Andrew out. Like Mike was probably going to enjoy the con on yeah. the most, for the most part. And I would be behind the booth helping. Um, but last minute because of it, basically we're doing house renovation stuff and we couldn't both be away from the house. So he stayed, he stayed back. So mm-hmm. suddenly I'm on my own. And also we had booked the flights around his work schedule. Yeah. And so I set my own hours. I got no reason to be taking a red eye and landing in Indianapolis at five in the morning. Right. So I was nervous that five in the morning was going to be like a hindrance on you, that you were going to be like, ah, I need to sleep in order to be ready for the first day. <laughs> And I'm very, very glad that you were just screaming in your car in excitement to come to like, Let's get down to business to defeat the Huns. Oh, my God. Will I sell my originals? Who knows? My sons. <laughs> <laughs> so meanwhile, I'm on this red eye and I got a seat somehow that did not recline. So I could not fall Oof. asleep the whole first day of oh Gen Con. I'm... You were such a trooper that whole day. (laughs) I had a great time. I didn't really feel tired. I did feel like I was hallucinating by the end of the day. But man, the the energy, just everybody was so happy to to be there and to be setting up and to finally have conventions back. Yeah. Yeah. It was wonderful. I felt like like I said before, it's very much my hometown show and i get so amped and i feel like i just 
power through the entire weekend on that like adrenaline and that just like, oh, I'm so hyped to be here. I mean, you witnesses, I got to see friends that I grew up playing Magic Gathering with uh, yeah. when I was in like high school. Uh, my brain broke a little bit when I met somebody who I remember them being like seven or eight at the time. And now they're a whole ass like adult with a big beard. Yeah. They probably look older than me without their mask on. Yeah. And it just broke my brain. But for me, Gen Con is like the perfect Venn diagram of all the things that I love because it's, you know, it's magic. It's it's art. It's hometown. It's um, friends like and it all just Gen Con is the center of the Venn diagram. That's so neat. When I was younger, I didn't first I didn't know about conventions at all. Yeah, I didn't know that they existed. Um, the only convention that I knew of up until college, really. Yeah. Up until college was uh, the Detroit Auto Show. <laughs> <laughs> Very different from Gen Con. <laughs> yes. That, you got to be a certain type to enjoy the, the Detroit Auto Show. Got to like those spark plugs. <laughs> and cars. And, and I attended the auto show. I actually designed the... <laughs> Okay. <laughs> now that I think about it, it's weird. Um, so I, it was not the mascot for the auto show. It was the mascot for the construction that was happening at the Kobe Center where the auto show took place. And so they would, I basically designed a a Transformers oh character. I was just about to stand. ask if it was a Transformers, like um, the Constructobots or whatever they're called. That's exactly what it was. And he would stand as like, he got printed as like a big standee oh next God. to doorways. And he had a little speech bubble that said like, welcome to the Kobe arena. I hope that you enjoy your stay here. You can't go this way because it's still under construction. Visit this website to see what it will eventually look like. That's great. Um, Did you ever? And I think I got to go for free because yeah. I designed it. Did you ever try to ask for like one of those? cardboard stand-up things of of it when it was done absolutely not do you think i want to display that in my home it'd be really funny this is a place of rest she she says as she always works <laughs> <laughs> this is a place of rest I've, I've never been into cardboard cutout displays in my home um and i married a collector who worked at gamestop and so he <laughs> used to have so many things Things. Yeah, I have a uh, cardboard cutout of Barney Stinson in my garage because somebody in college gave me that as a gift. Dude, you got to burn that. <laughs> he's just in the, burn, he's, he's in the corner of my garage. <laughs> Barney has not aged well, not, Andrew. You got to get rid of him. Aged well, that's why he's in the garage in the corner. <laughs> the only reason I've kept him is because I find it funny that I have a human-sized cardboard cutout of of anything. In college, I actually scared my landlord with it because I knew they were going to be doing a, a walkthrough of my apartment one day. It was like right after did I got it. Did you erect a Barney in your in your shower? No, I put him. So in my old apartment, when you walked in, um, it was like a big open concept, like a uh, kitchen into the living room. And the living room had windows that faced the door. So as soon as you walked in, you saw windows at the end of the, you the room. You saw where you could jump. Okay. <laughs> and so I put Barney like in the living room area against the windows facing the door. So that when you walked in, if it was sunny out, you'd just see a silhouette of a person. 
No, <laughs> no. And not I, only a person of a sex pest. Yes. Um. <sighs> and I did that, and I I never knew what happened. And then months later, I had posted a picture of it on on Facebook of of the Barney Stinson because I was like, oh, my friend, you know, gave this to me for Christmas. Ha ha ha. Funny, whatever. And somebody who went to CCAD at the time commented, they were like, oh, my God, I was that tour that day and you scared the hell out of your landlord. (laughs) And I was like, yes, mission accomplished. We did it. What were we talking about? Gen Con. Well, yeah, duh. And then you doing. Oh, conventions. That's right. Convention. Yeah. Um, (laughs) So I didn't like. It's it's so interesting to me since you have this hometown mm-hmm. show that you used to go to as a young person. Yeah. I, I don't have that experience because I didn't know about conventions. And then when I found out about conventions, get this. I thought they were lame. I thought <laughs> it was cringy. Um, not you because cool I kid. had that opinion. I wasn't, though. I was an <laughs> impressionistic kid. Yeah. And other people, you know, okay, okay, put yourself put yourself in the mind of a 30 year old woman who uh, liked nerdy boy stuff growing up. Mm-hmm. I was an anime kid, and back 2002, 2003, it was not cool to like anime stuff. And yeah. I'm going from being a child to an adult, and so I'm holding on to these loves of Disney films and anime and animation in general. Um, mm-hmm. And you're discouraged to do that because that's kid stuff, right? Yeah. So I think I had this internalized. Uh, uh, distaste not distaste discrimination you were influenced by you know adults in your life that you know or or even tv show and like pop culture depictions i would say like because i yeah. i, I, I in, relate in the early to that. 2000s it, it was a mean time we were we were yeah. mean to each other about the things that we liked hence the barney stenson cardboard cutout <laughs> <laughs> that show is such a good example of how bad and mean humor was in the early 2000s it was weird and i i think i looked at conventions as being this thing that is what i should not like Mm -hmm. if i'm a a good mature adult then i can't like these things yeah and so i was like yeah it's it's dumb (laughs) i was when it came to (laughs) conventions yeah but secretly became interested in it and so my gateway into conventions was being an artist and learning about people tabling and being like, oh, well, then that's fine to attend. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I started going every year all the time. And now I think conventions are awesome. Mm-hmm. And so I kind of mourn that I didn't know that this existed. I don't know. I, d- I didn't have the chance to appreciate it as a kid. Yeah, I feel that. I was amorous. I had envy, Andrew. It was cool <laughs> to see all these people. Like It's like you knew everybody at the convention. Everybody would come up and I'd yeah. be like, hello, do you want to buy the art? And they'd be like, no, Andrew's my bro. And then you guys <laughs> would have like a cool hug and yeah. talk talk about stuff. And I would be like, wow, that's nice. <laughs> I was definitely surprised at how many people came by the booth that were friends of mine. And so it was it was such a treat to to see them and and get to like catch up for a little bit. And normally when I'm doing the show by myself, I don't have the luxury of doing that. So I was super grateful to have you there because I, 
you know, could could walk away from the table or like step out from behind the table and talk to my friend for a minute before, you know, whereas yeah, no before, problem. I couldn't do that. I could talk to them until somebody came out to the booth and then I'd have to, you know, shift focus. Mm-hmm. To yep. Took me about a day to get acquainted with like, of course, I, my sleep addled brain. <laughs> I was not myself the first day. So yeah. it took a minute for me to uh, fully embrace the transaction elements of it. <laughs> and how to work the machines. Um, yeah. But after that, hell yeah, dude. I, I would say it took me a good week to really fully appreciate and process how great Gen Con was. Because I feel like I was so overwhelmed by how great it was that it took me a little bit for it to all set in. I'm not sure if you had a similar experience. Some other people at our Airbnb talked about um, the imminent depression that comes after an incredible show. That was Sean. <laughs> I think that's pretty standard, though. Um, yeah. After you have such a high high, you're you're going to want to go back to it after it's over. And yeah. I was surprised by how long I rode that high. I mm-hmm. was on cloud nine for weeks. Yeah. Um, I think only now I'm starting to come down off of it. And it's not because of... Yeah. It's just because like normal life stressors have been like, yeah. hey, Beth, stop being happy. And I'm like, why? No. And they're like, you it's have like, to design okay. a kitchen. And I'm like, I don't want to design a kitchen. I want to think about my dreams of being a convention artist. Yeah. House I, renovations are a nightmare. Don't do it. Oh, my God. Yeah. I, 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 I empathize with you. I feel like that what you guys are taking on is so much. Whereas like, I'm like, I'm changing the trim in my bedroom. <laughs> Like, I'm changing the trim in my entire home. I know. But we're not talking about house renovations. We're talking yeah. about conventions, yeah. artists, goals. I feel like I'm getting hit by the post-con depression now. And I think yeah. it's because I've had so many shows within like only 10 days of each other that I hadn't had a chance to hit the come down. And so like before we started recording, I warned you that I was kind of in a bummer of a mood. and And just because of, you know, life things and mm-hmm. so i think part of it is i've had three shows in a row and i haven't had a chance to come down from them yet until now well come here my arms are outstretched <laughs> catch me rest your weary head <laughs> so we talked a lot about conventions and a little bit about the post-convention depression and now that that's kind of hit me um i thought it would be wise to talk about you know easy to make meals uh, after a convention so it's kind okay. of like so That's so that cool you can segment. avoid being a starving artist you know the week after a con oh because you don't want to be sad and not eat and then you know completely forget to take care of yourself so i found this really great recipe you're doing this again and okay. i've been using it for years i take some fish and cut up some potatoes and onions and i put that in some foil and put some pepper and some lemon juice and just throw that in the oven at 350 on bake for like an hour. And I can usually make like three or four, you know, helpings of that. And then I can have that for a couple nights in a row. You know, I'm going to stop you right here because I am so tired every single week. I feel like we talk I, about this. I don't this. think Beth understands that. And I'm, I'm in on this joke. Of, like, and I'm trying to change the what meaning I mean. Of starving artists. The starving artist Maybe like, our podcast can do that. About a like, meal that can be our impact. No, 
we can, you know, change the meaning of starving artists from this really negative thing and actually make it about food and taking care of ourselves and eating nutritious things. It's just really frustrating when you talk about stuff this way. I'm sorry you feel that way, but it was a really good meal. (laughs) Beth just pushed her microphone away from herself out of frustration. Maybe she's just not a fish person. (laughs) Given the fact that I have done Gen Con, you know, like four times now, and this was this was your first time. You're 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 the baby. First time Um, at the Geneva Convention. (laughs) Yes. Yes, the Geneva Convention. I forgot about that. (laughs) That's what it's actually called. That's insane. That's what it stands for. Um I wanted to ask you some questions to try to recapture that experience of of baby's first Gen Con. Yeah. So I have some questions for you, Beth. And I thought, you know, it would also be good for the listeners because then they get a kind of a glimpse into, you know, what they might be able to expect from their first convention if they, you know, go this path and and decide to table at a show. So number one. This question is a yes or no question with one true answer. So no pressure. Oh, were Long's donuts as good as I hyped them up to be? They were. Yes. And I know that's the correct answer because you (laughs) loaded that question. What? I was not heavy handed at all. (laughs) I do not know what you are talking about. And shockingly, so the Long's donuts that you bought a whole half dozen of no a dozen you bought a dozen of them i bought two dozen right so we bought two dozen long's donuts one dozen was just the glazed yeasted donut standard basic shit yep the other box andrew was like whatever you like pick out and i was like oh they've got cake donuts that's my favorite old fashions i'll get a couple of those i'll get some uh, boston creams you know standard donuts that i enjoy um guys i was wrong my favorite donuts were not as good as the yeasted glazed donuts. Yup, they're so good. If you are ever in Indianapolis, check out Long's Bakery. And it's cash only, so bring that. <laughs> <laughs> Don't go in there with only a card. You won't walk out with donuts. No donuts for you. It and won't the ladies, will, they'll, they'll get sassy with you. They did not smile. We had to win them over. But we did because they complimented my hair because I had purple hair again. But yeah, so that was question number one. Congratulations, you passed. Um, question number two. Why was there a correct noise? This is like my opinion. So you were kind of thrown into the deep end in terms of great shows, and you only knew one other person really at the Airbnb that we were staying at because of the workshop that we had met at. Did you have any fears going into the show? Did I have any fears going into the show? Absolutely, Yes. Yeah, I mentioned earlier that I was supposed to come with my husband. So at least I would have like him. Yeah, I would have you and I would have him. So I would have like people who I know like me. Mm-hmm. And then he bounced. And so suddenly I'm all by myself. And anytime <laughs> I have to do something all by myself, I'm terrified. <laughs> terrified. <laughs> yeah. And it's all those what if things that happen in your brain. Like, what if I don't fit in? What if I am disliked? What if I do something really embarrassing and everybody's like, yikes. I wish Andrew didn't invite her to the Airbnb. Um, 
And then on the business side, like what if behind the booth, I lose Andrew all of his sales? What if I can't do math in my head fast enough to like (laughs) tell people what the costs of things are? What if a customer gets mad at me? Um, And then like the the biggest fear is, uh oh, what if in this capacity, Mm -hmm. Andrew has asked me to come and help out and I fail so badly that he's like, yikes, this is not a relationship that is valuable to me anymore. Like, what if I lose a friend? (laughs) If I was just like, uh, we can't do the podcast anymore. That now it's not a very (laughs) loud fear because I know how to, I I know how to like recognize my, my emotions. Mm -hmm. No, I don't. I know how to recognize my, what if fears as being, you know, dramatic. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I, I don't go into these things expecting that to happen. But I have had in the past some very severe rejection from other artists. And so I have experienced that. And yeah. it makes me it makes it really difficult for me to um, automatically trust other artists that I will be accepted. Yes. And yeah, th- those were my fears. And like, I didn't need to have those fears. Turns out everything went so smoothly. It was so easy. So were there any things that kind of stood out to you that you were pleasantly surprised by that you maybe hadn't thought about prior to the show? Like any anything that you, you know, something happened and you're just like, oh, that was not a positive thing that I had ever thought about or even a negative thing. You sold a lot of artwork. I did. (laughs) (laughs) So you sold a lot of artwork. I don't know if I've said this on the show yet, but I haven't had a close-up example of an artist. Um, I've told this to like a bunch of my friends, and so I feel like I've said it a bunch of times, but I guess yeah. I haven't. I have not seen in person an artist who creates original work, not fan art, not referential stuff, uh, not pandery things, like original pieces of art sell a lot of those original pieces of art. Mm-hmm. Mike and I both collect Mondo posters. And so I'm kind of always looking at um, properties that I love mixed with artists who I love. And then like the composition or the illustration has to be one that I love. So it's like, this needs to accomplish three separate things for me to buy it. Yeah. Um, but suddenly I'm looking at you and I'm looking at Alex and I'm looking at Sean and I'm looking at Dustin and you guys are selling original pieces of art the whole time. Yeah. Based on nothing but what you wanted to make and what you wanted to draw. And so being able to see that be true mm-hmm. changed everything. It changed the way that I look at my own value. Oh. Um, and I don't I don't think I've told you that, but it's like suddenly artwork that I draw from my own heart. Mm-hmm. I go, oh, someone might like this because Andrew does this. Andrew draws stuff that he's interested in. He drew a dragon because he likes dragons. And it means something, sure. But like ultimately, it's it's just like a cool dragon painting. Mm-hmm. And people adore his cool dragon painting. They do. And it doesn't, it doesn't have to be from Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Game of Thrones. Yeah. It can just be a thing that you loved to make. And it resonates with other people. It, uh, anyone listening to this is going to be like, yeah, duh. Of course. We look <laughs> at art and we go, I like the art. I yeah. want to own the art. 
But it's a, it's such a scary thing when you take that first step into selling your personal stuff. I remember my first convention selling Banishment for the first time, which is one of my first personal pieces. And it was Origins in 2018. I had that and I had three other pieces on the table. And most of the other pieces were just old work that I kind of revamped to, to be original and to not have like a copyrighted character. But I was terrified about talking about my personal piece and telling the story about it. Yeah. And that show cemented kind of that that kind of aha moment that you're ta- you're talking about of like, oh, people like this. Oh, okay. Because I was suddenly that piece immediately started selling more than my fan art pieces that used to be my best sellers. Like I had this Zelda piece that used to be my top seller, which was like I'd yeah. sell 10 of it at a show. And Banishment very quickly became a piece where it was like, oh, I sold 25 of these at Gen Con, like the first year I had it there. I think I even sold out of them at Gen Con that year and I had to start doing pre-orders. Yeah, it was like magical to watch, I guess. Uh-huh. It was really special. That's really um, sweet. That's the thing that I was pleasantly surprised by. There's other little things like my legs didn't get as tired as I was expecting to. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know why I think that's so funny. (laughs) But it's so random. (laughs) But like more importantly, people loved to buy original artwork and I I needed to see that. Nice. Yeah, you hadn't shared that with me. So that, that tickles me. That's so nice. Yeah. The next question I have. Do you feel like you made some art friends? So when we started this show, Mm -hmm. I had the goal to make art friends. Yeah. And I thought that for like a year, maybe I Mm -hmm. would get to play this character on the show. Who's like, hey, what's it like to know (laughs) other artists who do (laughs) stuff? And so I was like coming up with the voice and trying to figure out bits to do. Where you're, you're the social one and I'm a grem, a, a, Sweaty, sweaty cash. Yep. <laughs> I'm I'm sweaty cash. Uh, God, I hope listeners start calling you that like, <laughs> in the wild or on your Twitch stream. Like, please, oh, I will champion cash. that. Just call Beth Sweaty Cash. Beth Radloff, aka Beth B. Rad, aka Sweaty Cash. <laughs> That's one of your aliases. How oh, gross. Um, <laughs> but the thing is. Now I don't think I can be that character because Mm -hmm. uh, listen to the last episode, you guys, everybody was so rad and I have maintained relationships with folks after the convention. Um, There's more than just who we had on the show. Like I feel so bolstered and I told Andrew like for the first, oh, I'm going to cry again thinking about it, but (laughs) that's okay. At the, at the, this is important. Calm down. Talk about your feelings. Vulnerability is cool. Also, why do you have a tiny little shaker of like tahini? Spicy. I don't know how this got in my hand. I am currently holding a um a small a small shaker of tahini. Was it on your desk? Yes, it was. Why? Why was it Uh, on your desk? I believe that it was. On, I went to a bar and I got Wait, a drink. Were you a starving artist and did you use it on 
some food that I you ate at your desk? I am not a starving desk? artist, Andrew. I, it was in my purse. No, I didn't even oh. use it on food that I had at my desk. I, it was in my purse, and then it got on my desk, and I'm nervous, and I just grabbed something, <laughs> and now I'm holding a little tahini dispenser. Um, Sorry to distract you from, from your vulnerability <laughs> that you, you were about to share. It's okay. Now I won't cry. <laughs> I think until I was 29 years old, I had not been able to find a community of artists who I was allowed into. Yeah. I had a really hard time making friends in college. Post-college, um, I had some shit happen. Uh, I was very guarded with artists who I worked with, and I don't think I allowed close friendships to form there. Yeah. I just never found my group. Um, and I had given up. And mm-hmm. in 2019, I impulsively went to that workshop. I met you and I met a bunch of other artists who I liked. And I don't think I knew how to sort of open up to them then. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to over the course of COVID and then COVID like prevented me from living my life. And now we're here. And now I can start doing the work that I had set up to do post 2019. And thank you, therapy. This. Gen Con trip, I let myself fall in love with you guys. I let Uh myself um, be vulnerable with other artists and and I saw them be vulnerable with me and I didn't, I wasn't rejected. This is is heavy stuff, but like I I wasn't rejected. I was easily accepted. I didn't have to prove myself. I thought that I would have to show my sketchbooks and give things to people and be like, hey, I'm I can be here because, look, I can draw, too. Yeah. No one asked for that. No one needed that. It was assumed that I belonged mm-hmm. without trying. I belonged. And like that was really important. And I'm I haven't. Yeah, real life stuff has been bogging me down, but I I haven't come down off of that high. Mm -hmm. And I'm excited about these relationships that I've started and I'm scared because now I feel like I'm vulnerable. I could be hurt by this, right? Like if if Sean doesn't want to talk to me anymore, (laughs) I would be heartbroken. (laughs) That would not ever happen. If if he ever got wind of, of, of hearing that like, Beth, Beth thinks that, that Sean doesn't want to talk to her anymore. He would feel terrible and he Aww. would probably immediately call you or text you and be like, hey, <laughs> how's it going? And he'd check in on you because that's the type of person that Sean is. Like, Sean's fantastic. He and I greet each other with, hey, good buddy. We call each other good buddy. Oh. <laughs> and it, oh, all, it all started at a con where I was a, I was the first person who left at the end of the weekend. And I had to wake up pretty early and leave. Mm-hmm. And he was still in, in bed. And I went around and said bye to everybody. And he was like, hello, good buddy. He was like, goodbye. It was good seeing you. That's and so like, sweet. I got a hug. And then since then, we have called each other good buddy. He's a special dude. Yeah. I'm just sitting here with my tahini shaker. Yeah. Feeling misty eyed about, about all, all the cool people. Yeah. No, I I am beyond happy with because uh, you had shared a little bit of that with me, you know, at when we were unloading for the for Gen Con, um, yeah. and 
I just think it's so cool that like you already feel so welcomed and everything. And it's not that I didn't expect that to happen, uh, given, you know, what I know of the group, because I've been, Mm -hmm. you know, lucky enough to call them my friends for, you know, two and a half years now. Um, that like, I, I never had a doubt in, in for a moment that they wouldn't accept you right away. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's so cool hearing like your side of it. Yeah. It's cool experiencing it. And now Mm -hmm. suddenly, instead of being like fearful of having guests on the show, I'm looking forward to having guests on the show. Only if we can be in the same room and between two bunk beds though. (laughs) And my last question for you is if you had to give any bit of advice to you know, listeners who are thinking about doing cons, um, if they're also an artist, uh, or if, you know, they're thinking about attending cons and they're a little apprehensive about it because it is, there's so much happening at conventions. Uh, what would you, what would you tell them? Well, I have to tell them what I need to tell myself because I'm still baby. I haven't done this yet. Yeah. I'm still at the precipice of, Oh God, what am I getting into? What do I have to buy? What do I have to set up? All of that. But, but you've still kind of had like a behind the scenes look at kind of the setup and what what happens behind the booth, I guess. Sure. So like but you like, I, you have a little it, bit of insider knowledge. It's even broader than that though. Like the thing that I would tell them, the thing that I would tell myself, the thing mm-hmm. that I would tell anybody about anything really, is that it's not gonna be perfect. So mm-hmm. don't wait for it to be perfect. Yeah. Just start. Bite off more than you can chew and surprise yourself by how capable you are. And then reach out to people who are already doing it because it turns out they're far more friendly than you think they'll be. Yep. Agreed. All of that. I, there have been many a time where I've reached out to an artist that I admired and followed and been like, hey, like, I have some questions. Do you mind answering them? And, and, I'm sure they answer me without expecting anything in return. But if I can, I try to, you know, buy something or maybe support them on Patreon as kind of like a thank you for, you know, their time and energy. But yeah, it's, it's one of those things where, yeah, if you're listening to this and you're like, I want to get into doing art or, you know, there's something in general that you want to pursue a dream, a goal, just go for it. Like, yep. Cause if you don't, you might never end up doing it. Like I got into cons because I had a very distinct moment where I remember thinking, if I don't sign up for a con soon, I'm not going to ever do one. Wow. And I just picked one that was close by. It ended up being Grand Rapids Comic Con. And I, I even paid for an exhibitor booth, which was more expensive because I was just like, well, they're still taking exhibitors. So I'm just going to, I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to cannonball in. That's one way to light a fire under your butt. (laughs) And I did not make a profit at that show. I don't even (laughs) think I broke even at that show, but I walked away from it being like, that was a lot of fun. I learned a lot and I want to do this again. Hi, I'm Beth. And you know that. But what you might not know is that I'm a Denik Notebook ambassador. So why? Well, back in 2018, my tax man told me I needed a planner, so I just went into an Office Depot and grabbed a cute one. 
It was made by a company called Denik, and that started one of the most long-term relationships of my life because I liked that planner so much, I went ahead and bought five of their Stay Flat notebooks. I signed up for their ambassador program because I was already telling people to buy them. No one asked me to make this ad. I had to look up what they're called, but I just love the classic lay flat notebooks. They have a Smithsown binding so their spines look tidy on a shelf. They're the perfect A5 size. And most importantly, they do indeed lay flat on your desk, regardless of what page you're turned to. I've never had to fight these to get them to stop creeping closed while I'm writing. And Denik works with and pays a wide range of artists to create illustrations for their velvety soft covers. So... If you're in need of a notebook, planner, or even sketchbooks, head over to denik.com, that's D-E-N-I-K.com, and enter code BRAD, B-E-R-A-D, at checkout for 15% off your order. That's denik.com, find your favorite thing there, and then enter code BRAD at checkout for 15% off your order. Thanks. Back to the show. Hey, Beth. Yes, Andrew? Can we talk about my favorite thing, color? Yes! Yay! Okay. For this week's Color Corner, I want to teleport back to the 90s. A popular 80s rock band, they formed in the 80s, but this happened in the 90s. They just released a limited edition soda pop that was only available at coffee shops, skate shops, and, quote, underground hotspots. One of the main selling points of this beverage was that it would turn your mouth and excrement blue or green. Uh, uh, oh no. Which band released a soda containing a play on the band's name? Okay. So your bands are Guns N' Roses. No. Motorhead. No. Metallica. No. Aerosmith. Oh, there's... Motley Crue. Oh. And those are your options. It's not Abu Yabu Dai? <laughs> it's not... Eiffel 65? That would have been a good one, damn it. <laughs> For the, the clues to work, it had to have been an 80s band that was still making music in the 90s. They, you could have told me they were an 80s band making music in the 90s. I wouldn't know. I'm not, that's not my realm of expertise. Wait, you're not a, a music connoisseur? At all. <laughs> it's like I knew that making this. The question... So the question you're asking me is who makes you shit blue of these five bands? <laughs> which you band? Five options. Yeah. Which band? And they did use a play on their band name as the name of of the soda. Moldy poo. No, that is not the name. Well, that's what they should have done because my, I think it's Motley Crue and I think that it's going to be a murky poo. Correct. Really? <gasps> yeah. <laughs> The soda was called Motley Brew, spelled B-R-U-E, which I hate, but it exists. And it made your poo-poo dark? Yes, that was a main selling, like, a main marketing strategy was that it it turned your poo-poo or your pee-pee green or blue. And they didn't call it Motley Blue Soda? Right? Motley Blue is so much better than Motley Brew. Motley Brew sounds like a beer. Well, we were trying things in the 90s, and I respect that. They tried it. They tried it. And uh, apparently these bottles of soda sell for a a ridiculous amount. 
on like eBay and stuff. And it's really hard to get a full set of all the flavors because apparently there were multiple flavors. Um, There's like a purple, blue, green, and I think one other color. But oh, I just um, looked up pictures. That's it is such an unnatural blue color. Yeah, that's like drinking a lava lamp, dude. Yeah. So um, one of the fun things that I researched was uh, the reason that if you, you know, when you eat something that has a lot of food coloring, like blue food coloring, the reason it turns your poo poo green is because of how your stomach metabolizes the dye. But if you want to play fun poop color games, uh, blue dye will turn poop green and beets will make it pink or reddish pink. Thanks to something called play fun poop colored games. (laughs) (laughs) I can add one to it. So, okay. If you, if you, yeah, beats turn your poo poo red. Yeah. Make it real scary. Terrifying. Yeah. Uh huh. Uh, Blue dye turns your poo poo green. Yeah. And then too much Pepto Bismol turns your poo poo black. What? Black? I wouldn't have expected that. Yeah. Huh. I feel like that would also be terrifying if you, you know, suddenly had black poo-poo. It is. We mentioned, uh, you know, how Gen Con has affected specifically your goal of, of, of finding, you know, art friends and cultivating an art family. Um, but I think it's important to also recognize how Gen Con has affected, you know, maybe goals outside of the podcast for us. Um, and kind of talking about how, um, you know, as, as, as somebody who, or well, as two people who are in this industry, we, you know, might set a goal of like, oh, I want to get into this event, or I might want to get into this annual that gets printed. Um, when you hit that or achieve that, you gotta, you know, set a new goal or adjust your, you know, that benchmark. So we don't talk about that very much. Like when you achieve your goals, what comes next? Right. Oftentimes years of of feeling lost questioning everything yep (laughs) so we're gonna try and get ahead of that we're going to adjust our goals or you know move move that benchmark a little bit how do you think gen con has affected your goal for you know the podcast or even outside of the podcast how has it affected your goals besides the fact that i'm i'm looking more forward to guests on the podcast it hasn't really changed the show Mm mm-hmm what it has done is it has illuminated a a career path that takes all of the different things that I do mm-hmm. and puts them together and says, hey, look, this is how this all makes sense together. You thought that all your interests were pulling you in different directions and you need to pick like you can only do video content or you can only do live streaming or you can only draw pictures or you can only animate. Whoops. All of these things can contribute to being an independent artist mm-hmm. whose work like tells the stories that you want to tell and people want to listen to. It's yeah. it it's like I just I'm a little fucking guys, I'm a little energy ball. And then uh, all this time, all this energy has been like leaking out in every direction. And I have figured out how to redirect the energy to come up and then back and down, back into me, the core. And now we're doing this cool like energy donut. And the energy donut will be my career moving forward. I like that energy donut. I like it. I'm an energy donut now. Yeah, I think and the cool. I, I can see the. I can see the future. Yeah, I think the coolest takeaway is that you, 
like like you mentioned, you know, you always thought that you were kind of pulling in all these different directions. Yeah. But in reality, like everyone is so multifaceted that like, you know, yeah. we're allowed to have all those different interests. We're allowed to, you know, be a streamy stream. We're allowed to be a streamer. We're allowed to, you know, do our day job. We're allowed to do our own work. We're allowed to record a silly podcast. <laughs> and all those things can live under the umbrella that is us. Right. Yeah. yeah. And I've just been in servitude to other people's umbrellas. And yeah. now I I can see how how very possible and realistic it is to serve my own umbrella donut. Oh, and another thing. Mm-hmm. I do video content. I mm-hmm. film stuff and I edit stuff. And not every artist does that. But here I am forming these relationships with people and desiring to like contribute to their successes it's so easy and fun for me to film their booth and edit that together into a little thing for them and so i went around to everybody's booths with andrew had a a gimbal which is this like uh stand that you can put your phone on so when you film things it's not shaky Mm -hmm. and so i was doing kind of creative shots and things of different people's booths to edit together into a little a little stinger yeah and it's no skin off my back to do that, but other folks were like, oh, can I pay you for that? And I'm like, no, d- here, gift. Um, but suddenly like, oh, that makes sense. I can do, th- this is a thing that can live here. Ah, it's just, it was yeah. so exciting to see everything kind of coalesce in this yeah. beautiful way. Yeah, because for everybody listening, Beth shot this amazing trailer, basically, of me and my booth. <laughs> and it's fantastic. And I love it so much to the point where like when I posted on Instagram for origins, I was like, anything I post is just going to pale in comparison to that (laughs) video. Cause that was the, that was the last post that I had made on Instagram before origins was that video that you shot. (laughs) And so it was just like, Oh, this is going to be a boring shot of my table of me. Just like, Hey, (laughs) yeah, you were, you were a very good Instagram boyfriend. Thank you. Um, end of 2019, after that workshop, I wanted to redefine mm-hmm. my career. Couldn't because COVID pushed us all back to safety for two years. And now I'm, I can do it again. I can, I can get back on this path. And yeah. uh, yet again, the universe has given me the, this jump-started gift mm-hmm. of uh, an example of what this can look like. And I'm so, so ready to do the scary work that comes next of putting myself out there. You know, what's really cool that I didn't realize until yesterday when I was putting together the website. What? I think everything on my portfolio website, Mm -hmm. I made after the workshop. Hell yeah. Yeah. It, It had that much of a impact on me that it like, I started making original artwork that I wanted to, Mm-hmm. And it's not as much as I want to have done in two years, but I'm going to give myself the grace and... of, yeah, there's a lot of other stuff that was going on yeah. uh, in the world and personally and financially and all of that. But yeah. it's it's really exciting to make that realization. Mm-hmm. And now I've had another kind of pillar in the ground moment of, oh, this is this is an inspiring jumping off point. Yeah. Where where is this going to go now? No, that's 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 cool because on a similar like note in terms of like 
being excited about like where things will go from here. Uh, I feel like for me, Gen Con, maybe not necessarily as, as tangible and obvious as like your goal of, you know, having like finding art friends and, and <laughs> making friends. And, yeah. <laughs> I just want to have friends. Um, I think for me, Gen Con affected my goals in the sense that I've been working on this comic or this graphic novel and I've talked a little bit about it. Um, I've been working on it, you know, throughout the pandemic and everything. And I, a few months ago, I hit a kind of a wall where I didn't quite know where to take it from there. And I also haven't shown it to a lot of people um, aside from patrons on Patreon. And so part of me has been kind of insecure about the con or the, the graphic novel in general and whether or not it's actually good or if it's just something that I've made um, and it's not good. And I, it was really validating at Gen Con to be able to share it with some peers who were there um, and get their honest reactions. And one of them who I, you know, look up to Devin L Kurtz. Like if you, if you follow her, her work is amazing. It's, it's, it's so good. And she is, um, so fast at creating work and so gracious with her time and, and, and sharing how to do things and, and how she paints and her technique on Instagram and everything. Like just a fantastic human all around 10 out of 10. Um, and I I respect the hell out of Devin. And one of the nights of Gen Con, we were sitting in, you know, downtown Indianapolis in some grass, like by this weird ass statue eating. <laughs> and we're all just like having our little picnic time. And it was so nice because I got to have kind of this one on one moment where like Devin and I were just talking about, you know, um, our, the last year or so and what we've been up to and what we're working on and 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 just what what's been new and i mentioned the the, the comic and the uh, and um i asked her if she wanted to take a look at it and she did and i was like yeah i was like i'll probably self-publish it like i don't know i i'm not big enough to you know be published by an actual publisher and she was like yeah you are like this is amazing and yeah, it was and it so is. nice like to hear that and it was one of those things where i left gen con feeling re-energized to you know take the the graphic novel to the end like finish it and get it done and so i'm super pumped because like you and i even sat down and had this whole like brainstorming session about it Mm -hmm. i'm really pumped to get into you know the the final stretch of it and finish it off i've noticed that you started calling it a graphic novel instead of a comic yeah i think i think unfortunately when you talk about comics in terms of, of, of conventions and selling things, when you say comic, people usually think of something that's like, oh, it's this little flimsy $5, you know, comic book. Yeah. And what I'm envisioning is this, you know, hardcover art book, essentially, that has the, yep. the, has the graphic novel in it. And then also has a segment where it shows the sketch version of all the pages so you can see you know, the, the rough sketch that then turned into the final, as well as my thoughts about, you know, the, the piece as a whole. And beyond that, like you're, you're describing 
like all of the things that that are going to contribute to this book but the the graphic novel itself the artwork that you have created Mm -hmm. that is in the form of a linear story Mm -hmm. page after page after page it is looking at a tapestry it is an a long illustration yeah it's not images inside of boxes it's not what you expect when you think of a comic or even when you think of a graphic novel it is an an illustration telling a linear story Mm -hmm. and it is remarkable i haven't seen anything quite like it oh thanks so do we have an artist that we would like to share i believe it's my turn i came across this artist originally on tiktok they do motion graphics and animation um They have a very small TikTok, which I think will, you know, correct, <laughs> correct After over time. After we shout them out on our podcast. <laughs> well, no, not, not because of that, but because I went to, I went to her Instagram and her Instagram has like 79,000 followers. And I was like, oh, okay, mm. she's fine. Man, that's oh. almost the sex number. <laughs> but she had, but she had like a thousand followers on TikTok when I first came across her video. Um and I've put the video in the show notes, but her name is Sarah Beth Morgan. And she's got this really uh, cute style and I love it. And I've always had this like, I've always been a little jealous of people who can do like super cute illustrations like hers. Oh, wonderful. I know her. And, yeah. And her animations are great. Like anytime I've come across one of her videos on TikTok since the first video I found, which was like a week and a half ago. Uh, I love them. They're so calming and soothing and they're just great. But yeah, check out Sarah Beth Morgan's work. She goes by Wonderfall on Instagram and Wonderfall with like three L's on TikTok. Tweet at us at your art friends, just like Victor did. They said listening to at your art friends this week. I related to the hyped art kids so much. It was mm-hmm. me when at Beth B. Rad and Schmandrew Art played my value game on stream. It's great to be recognized by the people that you admire. Victor has been following me on Twitch for a, a while now, and he put together this interactive game where you can uh, auto-generate a color and then choose what black, gray, white value you think that color is going to be when desaturated and then it will test you to see how it it goes. And I put the link to his game in the show notes so you can go down there and click it. You can see it on our Twitter. It's a lot of fun. It's Mm -hmm. a cool way to kind of train your eye and learn about how colors and values have funny relationships with each other. Yeah. And color contrast does not always translate to value contrast. No, it does not. And thank you so much, Victor, for putting that together. Thank you for listening to the show. Thank you for making something that both Andrew and I enjoy and want to use and want to share with other people. That's what this thing is all about. Hell yeah. You can also email us at yourartfriendspod at gmail.com. And this week, I want to ask you guys to leave a review on Apple Podcasts. A few of you already have, and they're fantastic, but every little bit helps in terms of getting our show in front of new listeners. Yeah, we're still a growing boy, even though I'm a girl. <laughs> I just, it, I think, I think that would be awesome. Yeah. November first, we're gonna have a dual stream. Me and Andrew on Twitch. I'm at Beth Rad. He's at Schmandrew Art. We're gonna stream at the same time, talking to each other. Come hang out. We'll do our first drink and draw. Yeah, it's gonna be so much fun. I'm very excited. Me too. I'm at Beth Rad everywhere, all over the internet. I Twitch stream on Mondays at noon Pacific Standard Time. I have another podcast called D&D&D. We are starting a 
prequel series. So if you've never listened to my podcast before and you're intimidated by four seasons worth of content, don't worry, you can start now. We are doing a, a series within the world of D&D&D with different characters that happens before the main campaign. And if you like that, then you'll like the main campaign. I'm so excited. That's how it's going to go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I get to play a future queen. <laughs> and then more D&D content. I am currently playing in the Diefall Ruin campaign over on Runaway Robots Twitch channel every other Tuesday 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. Joel is our DM. He is running three separate campaigns that all take place in the same hell universe. That's a lot to keep track of. I don't know how he does it. Is this the same Joel that we that I met at Gen Con? Yes. Oh, my God. Yeah. He's a Dude's a multitasker. (laughs) (laughs) He's a great DM. Uh, We're having a lot of fun over there. We just recently started it. We've had about three episodes. Um, it's going to continue for a couple months, but that's what's going on in my life. How about you, Andrew? Uh, so you can find me at Schmander Art everywhere, uh, primarily Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. You can also check out my website, SchmanderArt.com, and you can find prints, playmats, token packs, um, some originals, and enamel pins for purchase if you didn't get a chance to see me at a convention. That's it. I don't have anything else. Great. Well... We've come to the end of the podcast. Sometimes we were serious, and sometimes it was just tomfoolery. Shout out to famed 16th century court jester Tom Fool. But that's just what you get when two friends who met because of a shared love of making things and a bare ass sit down together. That's us. Sweaty cash out! Your Art Friends is a Park Media production. Our music is by Andrew Smith. You can listen to his music on Spotify and iTunes under the name Makeshift Radio. 